What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, sponsored this episode apparently by this beef jerky I found at Costco. How long has it been underneath your desk? Uh, no, I actually, so we uh, just had a youth retreat last weekend, and I bought it uh, to bring with me on the youth retreat just uh, as a snack. So Well done. It is less than a week old. But I feel like beef jerky, okay, we're going to look into this. I feel like beef jerky doesn't expire very quickly. Uh, no, it's dehydrated or yeah, dehydrated meat that has been laced with preservatives. Uh, and according to the packaging here with no artificial ingredients. Which- no artificial <laughs> ingredients whatsoever. So I bought this uh, two weeks o- ago. October 5th, okay. 2023. Perfect. When do you think it expires? Uh, uh, before you say that, if you're new listening to the podcast, my name is Kyle. He's Derek. We ramble. For we never no- introduced ourselves. <laughs> All right. October. <laughs> Have October we introduced 5th. ourselves? And Listeners, go ahead and play along with us uh, on when's the March expiration 6th, date? March 6th, 2024. That was actually not a bad guess. Thanks. Uh, May 21st, 2024. Okay. So About six seven month, months. Seven months. Yeah. That's not That's bad. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. For real meat? Yeah. <laughs> and it tastes delicious. It I mean, it's it's pretty, like, it's not, like, teriyaki or, like, it's just original yeah. beef jerky, but it's good. It tasted delicious, and it, that, that, like, taste is kind of lingering in my mouth as did I Did you have some? It. I sure yeah, did. it's good. It's 10.40 a.m. It's We're well past the breakfast hour, so. Right. <laughs> you just need a little bit of a... <laughs> Of a leap in order to get us through this episode, then we can eat lunch and yeah. and go from there. And, and by lunch, I mean more beef Kit jerky, Kats, <laughs> beef jerky, and I think I have a bag of Doritos back here. <laughs> Welcome into the podcast. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, um, Derek. Before we dive, in, did you have a quick question? I of sure mine? did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. I'll shut up then. Okay. Well, I'm grateful. I didn't want to. Have to I, I had tell one, you but- that. <laughs> No, yes, I got episode. one. Kyle, when is the last time you went on vacation? Uh, a legitimate vacation, not like a, hey, I went on a youth retreat. Right, that's not vacation. Right, yeah. So, um, and uh, mission trips also for those listening are not vacations. No, no, and not. if they are, you're doing them wrong. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that hits close to home. I'm passionate about mission teams, and I'm passionate about people who I'm. I, I'm dispassionate about people who do them poorly. Sure. Is that um, we're making up vocabulary words. I don't know. I, I wish I could remember. I made up a word yesterday and and I'll, I'll try and remember what it was because okay. it was it was some prime stuff. There was a word in English that would have is legit and would have better suited what I was saying. But you made but up your own. I made up my own anyway. Proud of you. Uh, so I'll try to remember over the course of the episode uh, what that was. My last vacation. So context. I have an eight month old daughter. Okay. So uh, it's important. Technically, the last vacation that that I did was uh, this past summer. I drove from we were in the Minneapolis suburb area, drove down to the uh, beautiful, beautiful Iowa winding country of Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> uh, I was joking. But- <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know it was Iowa. <laughs> no, I had no clue. I was joking. 
Yeah, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, just out there, my cousin got married and I was officiating the wedding. And so I uh, went down there, beautiful wedding. And then from there, because my, my sister from Nashville, my brother from uh, Michigan, uh, them and their spouses flew in for the wedding. And uh, then at, from there, uh, we drove to Wisconsin and my whole family spent a week uh, at a cabin there. Nice. Um, so technically, uh, that would be that would be the last vacation that I took. But uh, beyond that, I would I would say um, my wife and I went on. Uh, apparently, this is a word that I did not make this word up. But apparently, this is not a term that everybody is familiar with. A baby moon. Yeah, I know what that was. Yeah, like you guys uh, went to what was Boston. Boston? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went on a baby moon to Galveston, Texas, uh, which was an absolute blast. That would have been uh, September of last year. So, what about you? Uh, six days ago. For nice. when we're recording this, yeah, uh, I uh, for those that have been following along and take note of my uh, hat wear, usually has some form of duck paraphernalia on it. Um, I just got back from a five day trip to North Dakota to go chase some ducks, and uh, for those wondering, we were successful. Um, a lot of people ask me, did I catch any ducks? I didn't catch any ducks. Um, I harvested a lot did of you, ducks. I was going to say, your dog may have caught some yes, ducks. Yeah. Uh, my dog, who I've been training pretty consistently, he, uh, in one, one trip, he, this last trip, he had more retrieves this trip than he had all of last year combined, which is pretty fun. So that was, that was good. Uh, but I like asking that question, uh, because I don't think pastors take vacations enough. And this has no bearing on what we're talking about today, but I just found it critical as a, as a challenge to our listeners here. Um, ask yourself that question. When's the last time you went on a vacation? And there is an important stipulation there that had no bearing on ministry because I think a lot of times people try to double dip like, oh, I'm, I'm you know, speaking at this retreat. My wife and I took a day off. So that's kind of our vacation. Like, no, it's not. Like you need some distinct separation from your job to recharge rest up and get your batteries charged. Yeah, that's kind of why I, you know, put a caveat on Correct. on the Wisconsin trip that we took. It was it was great, really fun to be around family. Uh, you know, officiating my cousin's wedding isn't technically youth ministry necessarily, but you know, there was a, a level of you're still work, on. work to that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, this was, uh, his wedding was July 1st. Uh, and for those of you that, that have been listening regularly to the podcast or, you know, uh, you know, me personally, like our, our church has been going through a senior pastor transition and, uh, you know, that was like right in the thick mm-hmm. of, of kind of the aftermath of all of that. And so, you know, while it was vacation, I wouldn't necessarily say it was relaxing. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, that's why, you know, there was, there was the other vacation in there as well that I wanted to mention. I'll also say too, that when, when it comes to, you know, pastoral vacations, um, I, I don't think that you're vac- you don't get it out of your mind that you have to miss a Sunday in order to vacation. Right. Totally. Um, you know, you or a can, Wednesday if you're a or, or Wednesday, correct. Yeah. Uh, you can it like like our I'll use our worship leaders uh, Nate and Sarah Engler they were back I think it was like episode eleven that they were on the podcast yeah, or twenty one I think it was maybe twenty one it was it was a while ago uh, talking about worship and uh, they lead you know the the youth worship team on Wednesday nights they lead the adult worship team on Sunday mornings and they've done a couple like getaways to uh, you know to a cabin where like they leave Thursday morning and and come back 
Saturday night. Yep. Uh, they don't miss a Sunday. They don't miss a Wednesday, but it's a nice little retreat uh, for them. And so finding those pockets uh, as well, I think, can be can be really important. Yeah. Super good. Again, that's no bearing what we're talking about today. It's not even remotely close. I can't even try and make well, it. Well, neither was beef jerky. But- <laughs> so and we found a way to squeeze just, that. Just in. par for the course for uh, yep, the podcast. About right. If you're new, welcome. We are looking for sponsors. If you have uh, some people that you want to pass on to, uh, we'd love to take their money. Yeah. Derek and I decided that, uh, we're just going to start repping sponsors, whether or not they <laughs> pay us legitimate or not. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, praying things into existence. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, manifesting it. We are manifesting sponsors and we're just going to get out ahead of it. Some would say show. we're naming it. Yeah. Some would say we're proclaiming. Uh, we are, we want to show sponsors that, that our ability to, advertise their product yeah and now we didn't we, we talked about beef jerky earlier i still don't know what the actual brand of the beef Oberta? jerky is oberto o- was that what it is oberto there you go oh you know what oh boy <laughs> oberto <laughs> right there there it is so uh that is that's a great catchphrase <laughs> oh and did you know that it was also gluten-free perfect it's healthy um, then I, I guess i don't really know how you would get gluten into no. beef jerky. That's one of those marketing things where people, because gluten has just this taboo, you you see, hey, it's gluten-free, i.e. it's really healthy for me. Listen, I didn't know we were going to hit a soapbox today, <laughs> but we just did. All right, here's the deal. Food at the grocery store, wherever you're buying it, organic fruits and vegetables. All right, I'm going to hop on my soapbox here. I cannot wait for this. To slander organic fruits and vegetables. Because do you want to know what the word organic means? Yes. Like grown naturally with like oxygen and like, like this is an edible thing. The word organic does not mean pesticide free or you know chemical free and so literally any most foods you could just slap the label organic on and mark up the price and somebody will buy it can i get a sticker and put organic on my body because i don't lace it with steroids hey there you go uh to pull from hold on I think it's about time we got a visit from a, a close personal friend of the show. Wikipedia? No. Or, or uh, Merriam-Webster? Noah Webster. Yeah. <laughs> Good friend of the show, it, Noah Webster. It, it has been a long time since Noah's made an appearance on our show. Of, relating to, or derived from living organisms. Yeah. Organic. Yeah. I would say. There's also... <laughs> Relating to being or dealt with by a branch of chemistry concerned with the carbon compounds of living okay. beings and most other carbon compounds. Organic chemistry, for those that know this, it's the worst. It is the weed out class of chemistry majors. For, yeah, I was a chemistry major my freshman year before I got called by the Lord to do His work uh, vocationally, and the next year I was going to be going into OCHEM, which is organic chemistry. And literally everybody I talk to always goes, oh, that class is the ultimate weed out class because it is so rough. So yeah. 
We should do an organic chemistry lecture on one of our podcasts and see how our we, listeners fare. So I mentioned that we just did a uh, a fall retreat with our youth students. And we had uh, a handful of youth students, it was three of them, that are really, really good at time management. So they texted me before the retreat like, hey, would it be okay if I like stayed up late one of the nights in like our common area and did some homework? Because I really want to come to retreat, but I have homework that's due that, that I really need to get done. I was like, yeah, sure. Like You're responsible and I still want you to come, so we'll make it work. Uh, they were doing chemistry homework and I realized how little help I am <laughs> when it comes to chemistry homework, because I hated that class. That might've been the single class that I hated I loved the most. It. I didn't really like science in general, but chemistry, it was rough. I loved it. How old are your students that did that? Uh, they were... The one girl was a junior. She's okay. doing like a PSEO class. So something that you're thinking about now that they're juniors is what's going to happen next year when they graduate <laughs> high school. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today Nailed is it. what happens when all of your seniors leave. Like jokes aside, that's what we want to talk about today is we all understand that as youth pastors in an ideal world, you have a student that steps into your ministry their first day of eligibility as a sixth grade student or fifth grade or seventh grade, however you break it up in your church. But I would say the common average is sixth grade is when youth ministry officially begins. In an ideal world, you have them that first day and they are part of your ministry until the very last day in which they graduate high school and then go on to whatever is next for them. 100% attendance. 100% attendance. Come to all your Never miss a Wednesday, never miss an event. That's obviously the ideal. We understand that's not the case, but as someone who just kind of watched a lot of our seniors graduate last year, this is something I have seen firsthand is when a large chunk of your seniors who have been leading the way culturally, who have been leading the way in leadership, who have been going forth and setting the tone, when they leave, there's a change in the ministry. There's a change in structure. There's a change in feel. There's a change in just you as the youth pastor. There is a different feel when you walk into that room and you step onto that stage and those core students you've had for four, five, six years are gone. And so a question we want to discuss is what do you do about that? Like, like what is as your, as the youth pastor, as the leader, as the visionary, what do you do about that? Because for some people that change can be absolutely devastating. It can create some discouragement. It creates some sadness. It can create some just stagnancy in your structure because you're going, man, that was, those students were solid. Like they, they set the tone. You're sitting there going, who's going to lead the way, you know, but um, to kind of immediately spin this conversation on its head, I think if you're asking that question of my seniors left now, what? you've already, you're too far behind because you should be asking that. I think Kyle, you're the one who said this so great is you should not be asking all my seniors left now what it should be. All my seniors are leaving. What do we do? Yeah. Unless you, I, well, no, it, it should never come as a surprise to you. Right. Cause one of two things is going to happen. One, you have a core group of seniors mm -hmm. that, that is coming through your youth ministry and you can recognize, okay, like that's that's a core group of students. Like 
it's fun to watch them grow and watch them mature, but at some point they're going to leave. The other alternative is you have a big group of students that just like show up their senior year and, and start plugging in, which one is a little bit more rare. And two, like that group of students probably won't have a ton of influence on the culture of your ministry because they haven't been there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the the seniors were like if you have a group of seniors they are really influencing your culture and they are about to in a good way mm-hmm. uh, and they're about to graduate you know n- fall is you know a great time to be okay like what I know this is coming down the road let's figure out how to work this transition well yeah for everybody involved because you got to be thinking about you and 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 your youth ministry and the rest of your students and then you're also thinking about okay the, for them moving on moving forward into the next step what is what does that transition look like for them as well right because something we also talked about pre-show is i think a lot of times we think of youth ministry as we have these 6 years with them we have 6th through 12th grade and there's 7 years but that's yeah, fine yeah thank you uh huh <laughs> very true um the problem is there's this misconception or this reality I think we need to change, which is once they graduate, there's somebody else's problem. Yeah. You would never go out and say that, but I think with what we respond to, as soon as they graduate, it's kind of like, hey guys, good luck. We're praying for you. Let us know if you need anything and that's all great. But the problem is if you don't equip them for that next step, you, you're literally just throwing them off the ledge and saying, you're out of the nest now, learn to fly. And that's not fair to them. And so I think as much as you have to be preparing for your ministry in their vacancy, you also need to be preparing them for what's their next step going to be. Are you making sure you're equipping them with not just knowledge, but the skills to acquire that knowledge? Are you teaching them not just what the Bible says, but how to read it? Are you teaching them not just what you should pray for, but here's how you pray? Mm -hmm. Are you teaching them, hey, here's how you go out and find a church that's not this one. When you go to a college, when you go and move out of town, how do you go and find a church and what should you be looking for in a church? What should you be weary of in a church? These are all questions we just assume that they're going to know. Yeah. But the reality is they don't. And so as much as we have to be preparing our ministry for their vacancy, we also have to be preparing how can we equip them to send them off so that they are successful when they go. And so what we're going to be breaking down today is just basically here's how to do multiple things that accomplish both of those tasks. Here's how you prepare your ministry for their departure and here's how you prepare them for their departure. And I think the biggest one, first of all, is you need to establish leaders in every single age range of your youth ministry. Something I tried to do a lot when I was in in youth ministry is trying to find one or two students with each within each specific grade that I see leadership potential in. Because the reality is even if they're not leading in your youth ministry, they're going to be leading in their school, in their grade, you know? And so you're not always thinking that, okay, which sixth graders, the sixth graders that are immature, the sixth graders that are brand new, the sixth graders that are off the wall, crazy. It's so, so many times they're overlooked because it's like, there's, we don't need to develop leaders in them. Right. But the thing is, is if you start developing them now, when they are seniors, they're going to be rock solid. 
they're going to be amazing. They're going to be leading the way. And so I tried very intentionally to try and highlight specific leaders in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, and then really try to invest time into them so that when those seniors did leave, man, they've had a lot of leadership potential and opportunity for years now. As much as we're sad to see them go as people, the leadership does not drop off as soon as they leave. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, so let's keep kind of talking about, you know, from from our perspective, you know, as the youth pastor, like looking at our youth ministry, how do we, how do we, how do we focus that? Well, and then we'll talk a little bit later about you know them and and their transition. Yeah. Um. What when it comes to you know some of those leadership things that you're talking about, mm-hmm. what are some of the like tangible, practical ways that you can give students leadership opportunities within your youth ministry uh, while they are still students that, that is going to grow their leadership capacity. Yeah. I think there's a few different things you can do and understanding that each ministry context is different. Um, I think it's vital for every youth ministry of any size to have some form of leadership pipeline that is established. Um, I don't know what you guys do, but for us personally, what that meant is we had a we called it leadership development. So once a month we would have specific students that were invited to come be a part. They'd come over to our house. We'd hang out. We'd have some food, but then we would just pour into them and invest in them as leaders. And a lot of times it looked like discipleship, right? Like like showing them how to dig in deeper for themselves, but then also tying it back to guys, here are some very tangible leadership lessons that we want to see you emulate when you walk through the doors in our youth ministry. I think having some kind of leadership pipeline in which you can develop students is vital. I think that's that's the A topic. And not just for departure, but I just think in general, if you want to see your youth ministry thrive, the leadership should not be solely on the shoulders of you as a youth pastor, but it should be, in a lot of ways, you should let your youth students lead the way as you empower them to do so. Yeah, I once uh, knew a youth pastor who uh, his entire goal his entire mission in youth ministry was to get to the point where there were never an adults on the stage mm. on Wednesday nights at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little aggressive, but <laughs> uh, like, like you as a youth pastor should probably preach sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but it was an, but it was an interesting thought like, Hey, how do we, you know, how do we build students to the point where, they can preach. Yeah. How do we build up students to the point where they can lead a small group? Uh, you know, whether that is, you know, it, that doesn't have to be like, Hey, I'm going to take this, you know, senior girl mm-hmm. and take her out of her friend group the entire year and have her lead a group of middle schoolers. Yeah. Like there's, there's gotta be a little bit of applied wisdom here, but what you could do is just simply say, Hey, I'm going to take, uh, this senior high girl and you know, I, I got my junior high leaders are all gone this week, mm-hmm. uh, in a pinch, I'm going to have this student hop over and, and lead this group. Uh, and so I, I think that there's opportunities for, you know, little, little, one-off opportunities for for leadership. And that's what I was going to say is I think you need to be able to pour into them as leaders in which they're receiving, but then you have to put them in a position to lead. You have to give them opportunities to lead, understanding they're going to get it wrong. 
They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to lead as they should, but that's how you learn, isn't it? That like, as, as someone who's been in ministry for six years and seven years respectively, I think we're way better leaders now than we were five, six years ago. Sure. Hope so. Because we failed and because yeah. we've messed up. And I well, think you have, <laughs> I, I have never failed ever. Well, um, that's fair. I mean, I've failed today. Uh, I feel like there's like an episode of the podcast where we talked about like some horror stories in youth ministry and there were probably some failures. Yeah. Uh, and we have, in that episode. we could do four more episodes since that episode aired. Probably. Yeah. We should maybe do another one of those. Yeah. It's been a while. The other one that we should do is uh, maybe a second episode on, like, I think it was our first episode was like what college didn't teach us. Mm-hmm. We should do another one of those. I'm down for that. Let's do it. Um, but I mean, like you, you kind of keyed into it, Kyle, like you need to give them opportunities to lead, you know? And so, man, if you have juniors and seniors, put them in as small group leaders of sixth and seventh graders. You know, if you have sixth and seventh graders who are leading, Hey, when you're doing some pre-service stuff, or you're setting up, have students come along and shadow you and kind of give them an area saying, Hey, you know, we want you to make sure that all the stuff around the stage is cleaned up before service, you know, like give them something to lead as small as it might be. You need to give them opportunities to create ownership and buy in. Otherwise, Otherwise, they're just going to be poured into and they're going to be, they're going to have nothing to, to show for. They're going to have nothing to put it forward to. And so to me, I think those are the two biggest ones is you need to pour into them as leaders, but then give them opportunities to lead. Yeah, I like that. And then, you know, also kind of, it's a constructed, structured way to lead, but then also having some unstructured ways to lead where it's like, hey, just go, you know, make a friend to be a mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had a youth pastor in high school that challenged me when I think it was when I was a junior in high school and and I had been, you know, really involved up until that point in youth ministry. And so, uh, he challenged me like, Hey, over the next two years, recreate yourself and, you know, find somebody younger than you and pour into them so that when you leave that person can't, you know, you're not trying to make them exactly like you. You're Mm -hmm. not trying to make them, you know, to the point where they do all the things that you do, Mm -hmm. but raising up that next level of leader. Yeah. uh, You know, and, and just kind of intentionally spending time with them, answering their questions, uh, whatever that looks like. I don't know, but uh, that, I think that's a, that's a unstructured, loose timeline uh but a good directive that that youth pastors can give some of those like really core students to say hey like let's let's see what we can do with this i love uh seeing the dynamic as i've just kind of been reading personally just the dynamic between paul and timothy it's so cool to see just that dynamic unfold because paul really did take timothy under his wing i mean timothy was born of a a Jewish believer mother and a Greek father. So we can only assume his dad wasn't super into faith. Uh, This is how he's described and depicted through scripture. So what Paul did is he poured into him because he saw potential in Timothy. And when I think of our youth ministry context, you know, that really is the model. We are pouring into the Timothys so that they can become Paul's and pour into their Timothys, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, Another thing you can do if you're looking to really kind of just lead the way with that is uh, 
spend some time with those students that that you really see potential in. I see potential in all of our students. And if you start getting selective, you can get into danger. However, I think there are students that just naturally just try to rise above, you know, and you, it's up to you as the youth pastor to see that and like steward that well. Yeah. You know, it's up to you to say, hey, let's get coffee one-on-one. And I want to hear what your passions are. I want to hear what your dreams are. I want to hear what, you know, you're fired up about. And then when it's my turn to speak, I'm going to tell you what I see inside of you. And I'm going to see what I think you can be and what you can become and what impact you can have. And then give them tangible, practical ways to get there. Because it's one thing to say, hey, dude, ma'am, whoever you are, I see some awesome things in you and they're going to feel good about that. But I love what, what your youth pastor did to you, Kyle, is like saying, hey, here's what I see in you. Make it happen. Here's mm-hmm. what I want to see. Yeah. I want to see you recreate yourself. I want to see you, hey, you're close with that person. I want to see you get uncomfortable and get them involved. Hang out with them. Be with them. Whatever that looks like. Like It's vital for you to give them specifics and practical steps to step into that. Otherwise, it's just a compliment and not a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what does that look like? So on the other side of the aisle, you've got students that are graduating. Mm-hmm with maybe life plans of some sort. Right. You got some students that are like, yep, I'm going to college. Um, I'm doing this, 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 and and there's my major. There's my job. It's going to be great. Yep. Yeah, some kids going to college that have far less of a plan. Mm-hmm. Some kids that are, nope, not going to college. I'm going to get this job or this internship, enter the workforce. You got some students that have no idea what they're doing. Yep. Um, and so what... What does that transition look like? Again, trying to prep it ahead of time. How can youth pastors set those students up, you know, those those graduating seniors up just as well as they're kind of investing in and stepping up their, their own youth ministry? Something that I plan to do that just kind of got a wrench thrown in the plans when I transitioned, because again, I I had a core group of students about 10 to 15 wide that I had from sixth and seventh grade on that led the way. And so something that I had intended to do, but just with me taking over and rally coming in, just the mesh point got difficult was I wanted to do something called now what, which is a one day deal where I bring in all of our juniors and seniors so that juniors can start thinking about this now. Um, but you bring them in and you start the day in worship but then you just get really practical. Well, here's how you thrive as a young adult, you know, and you start laying out very specific things of where are you going with your plans? Are you going to this city or that city? Okay. We're going to spend 10 minutes. I want you to find all the local area, all the local churches in your area, in that area. And let me know which ones stick out to you and why, and then have like, just walk around the tables and figure out, okay, what do you want to go to? What's your plan? Once you get to college, you know, and kind of outline those things then get into like spiritual discipline saying, okay, what, how do you grow in your faith when you're on a, like, cause a lot of them are going to secular campuses. You're no longer surrounded by your classmates that you've known for years. Now you're surrounded by strangers that have a lot of different life outlooks than you do. So how do you stand up for your faith and how do you grow in your faith mm-hmm. amidst opposition and, you know, so like the whole purpose of now what is you just get into very specific life lessons of, and even like things beyond that of like, 
Here's how you steward your money. Here's how you find a job. Here's how you learn study habits. Like all those very practical things going when you go to college, here is just notes that you have, things that you, you're going into your next step with a plan of action. Because mm-hmm. if I always, I, I told this to our students, it brings up to my next point. Like I always told them, if you come up with a plan, once you get there, you're screwed. Yeah. Because if you if you wait to make a plan, you'll never make one. You'll just go with the flow. And for some people, that's fine. But I've seen way too many people who are like, yeah, I'll probably find a church when I get there. And then when they come home for the next summer, it's like, hey, how was college? Good. Where did you end up going to church? Oh, I didn't really go. You mm-hmm. know, because they just never got around to it. And so you got to have a plan. Um, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. I think we need to start having individual conversations with students before even corporate things too, you know, like I, and I get if, if you have a youth ministry of hundred students, 200 students, odds are you probably don't have individual connections with each incoming senior, but you ought to try, you know, cause like what I, where I had the luxury is I could, I could tell you all 13 or 14 of my seniors and where they're going and what they want to do with their life. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we've had plenty of conversations one-on-one before that. And so I got to be there to say, hey, let's chase after this dream of yours. Let's chase after this goal of yours. What can we do together? You know, and here, how can I help you? So that's kind of how I approach it. You have the corporate, all seniors, all together, but then individual conversations you've had up until that point to help them with that. Yeah, I think the for the students that are going off to college, um, you know, setting... And, and this is going to look a little bit different depending on, you know, your church context, your denominational context. Um, but I would encourage reaching out like, okay, I'm going to go to the University of North Carolina for, uh, oh, there's a... Mechanical engineer. Well, I was going to say, uh, oh. there's a joke in there somewhere because I think they were one of the schools that got busted for, like, their athletes were taking bogus fake classes. Ah, uh, so there's a joke in there somewhere about that, but uh, mechanical engineering, sure, why not? Um, so me as the youth pastor, I all right, like crew, mm-hmm. they're a great campus ministry uh, on most major college campuses. Uh, Chi Alpha is another one that is a great college ministry on mo- on a, on a ton of college campuses. Uh, you know, finding something like that where you as the youth pastor can call ahead of time. Be like, hey, I have a student in our youth ministry. You know, his name is Derek. He's awesome. A uh, little wild, but that's okay. And and he's coming to to college in North Carolina. And I wanted to, you know, call you, give you a heads up. Uh, you know, he knows uh, that that I'm doing this. And you know, if you are would be willing to reach out to him, welcome week, and and kind of you know go out to coffee with him or you know rope yeah. him in in some way. Uh, I've seen that done to great success. Mm-hmm. With uh, with incoming college students, because they've got a lot going on Welcome Week and they got a lot of offers. Yep. And so having somebody that can be a touch point on campus for them is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like to, uh, and and I am not perfect at this, but as a youth pastor, just shoot a text like a month after they get there, and say, "Hey, how's everything going? Uh, you know, praying for you today." Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd encourage you to actually pray for them if you're going to say that. Yeah, don't don't just send it. But uh, you know, 
find again that that touch point of like hey like just because you graduated doesn't mean i forgot about you right uh you know how are you doing uh it can be a simple text conversation it's not going to take up much of your time uh but that's a way that that you can kind of keep them engaged um and and hopefully get them to land well yeah uh, you know if they if they went off to college uh i i would say for the students that stick around uh, you know, maybe they're working, maybe they are working on getting off of their parents' couch, uh, whatever it is. Uh, I, I think that those students will require a little bit more intentionality on your part. Uh, you know, if you are a church that is blessed to have a functioning young adult ministry, and I want to caveat that because there's a difference between a functioning young adult ministry and a Christian singles dating service. Mm. Uh, but, and the line is very thin. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, that's, that's a huge, huge win. And, and I'll share our personal context. We had, we did not have a young adult ministry and I did not want a young adult ministry for a long time because the people that kept offering to lead it wanted to lead it selfishly. Like they wanted the title of young adult leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, and there wasn't a need for it. There was like four kids. Sure. And, and I'm not saying those four weren't important, but they just wanted to create something so that they could run it. Right. Post-COVID, we saw a shift in the amount of students that stayed local after high school. And it created a group where like, we started a young adult ministry. We are 14 months into it. Yeah. And we've got you know 20 strong, uh, you know, 15 to 20 strong uh, at every single you know meeting that they have. And so, uh, if if you have something like that, I'd hi- obviously that's a great baton handoff. Uh, one of the things that we always do is we have a like senior bonfire. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife and I host all the seniors at our house. Uh, just have like dinner and and you know burgers or something and a bonfire, and we invite the couple that leads our young adult ministry to come and hang out at that night just to kind of help build that Bridge relationship mm-hmm. and, and hand off the relationship. Like, Hey, here's, you know, have you met these guys? They're awesome. They lead our young adult ministry. Uh, and then we kind of go from there. I think it just, a kind of a side, uh, side thought to that, that I think is worth mentioning, uh, is you have to ask yourself what your motivation is for your graduating seniors. Because I think there, there's a selfish part of us that wants to keep them because they're awesome, right? Like they're, they're like, <laughs> let uh, me introduce you to 13th grade. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, I think there was, you know, this was honest. If I can just be very honest for a second, like this was after living this now, this is where like I had to really check my heart because when a lot of our students, they went to a college about 40 minutes from our church, not even maybe 35. So definitely drivable. And like something that we, that Riley and I talked about and encouraged them in is like, you could come back to our church, but we'd encourage you to go check out other ones. Why? Because you need to figure out like where you can make a difference and where you feel like you're going to grow the most. As much as we want you here and we want to continue this relationship, continue this, this investment opportunity into your life. We have to understand that at the end of the day, we have to allow our students to go where they are going to grow the most. And it's okay to tell your students like, you know, landing back here is one of the options. Yeah. It's a great option. We feel like it's a great option. Uh-huh. But yeah, I love the just uh, security in, in, hey, 
go check out a bunch of churches and and if you feel like that the bridge is is the one that yep. you want to be at like we would love to have you yeah but part of part of that experience is just seeing what else is out there yeah. uh you know for students that are not flying across the country to go to college uh you know you sometimes miss out on that aspect of like hey there's more to life than the context that i have grown up in not to say that the context you grew up in automatically has to be bad right uh we talked about this we i did a really really tightrope sketchy sermon uh a, two years ago about uh, politics and with youth students and it, it was, was spontaneous too right like, it was yeah. spontaneous yeah it was uh like right it's so i mean obviously in america our elections are on a tuesday uh and by wednesday night we did not it was you know the biden trump election in 2020 and we did not quite yet on wednesday night have a firm answer because of all of the you know recount and yeah. recounts and mailing ballots because of covid and and all that mess and so we uh we didn't have an answer yet and there's a lot of people that you know aren't used to in america not having immediate results for elections and so there's you know, everybody's all like oh this that your opinion sucks my opinion's right and so we did a we did a sermon on uh, on kind of that, some of that stuff. And one of the things we talked about was, Hey, if you are, um, you know, well, we'll just pick one and, and go with the analogy. You and your parents, like your parents are Republicans, uh, like hardcore, uh, you grew up in that household. If you grow up, you start being able to vote, you're on your own. And like, Look into it all. Mm -hmm. Don't just assume that because your parents are Republicans, you have to be a Republican. Like if you look into it and and you're like, hey, I know that's how my parents think and, and the stances that they take and what they believe, but I might lean a little bit more toward the middle or maybe I want to be a Democrat. Like take your pick. Um, like oh, I'm going to be a Green Party, whatever. Like, all right, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like whatever. Now I, I had to be, be careful because I had one student uh, who after that Wednesday night, he called me crying middle school boy. And and he was like, I, I don't want to vote different than my parents. Like I like my parents and I like what they stand for. And I agree with them. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. You don't have to be different. Yeah. I'm just telling you it's an option. <laughs> Kyle told me I need to write off my parents. <laughs> My parents are Democrats and Kyle told me I have to be a Republican. Uh, no, that was not the point. Like, it's okay to be the same political party as your parents. It's okay to be different. Yep. Same thing with churches. Yeah. Like, it's, it's awesome to continue on at the church that you grew up at. But maybe you step into a season where there's another church down the road that can meet your needs a little bit differently. And yep. that's okay because at the end of the day... If you have done your job as a youth pastor, they are going to stick somewhere at a Bible-believing church, yep. at a church that might not agree with you 100%, but they agree on the really important stuff, and that's what matters. Yeah, and I think that that's just a phenomenal way to kind of just like wrap it up is like you as a youth pastor, like how do you navigate this transition? Because let's, let's call it what it is. If you have the, that great group of seniors, it's not a numbers thing that you're worried about. It's that you just had four or five, six years of awesome memories, right? Like like you loading up to go to camp, 
great moments at retreats. Uh, just nuances you have with them every single Wednesday night. Like that first Wednesday, they don't they don't walk in the room. It's hard, yeah. you know, and and it's it's sad. It's difficult. It's it's not that it's not that the people below them are less than. It's just that you just had four or five, six years of a great connection with some great kids that are now taking that next step. And it's okay for you to feel that, and it's okay for you to sit there and go, "Man, this is difficult." But I think it's also important to understand that that's the beauty of what we get to do is those things are going to continue to happen if you continue to invest yourself properly. Like you're like the students that, that you had great connections with, give the ones that are there now another year too. And you're going to have those same kind of relationships. They might be stronger. They might, they're for sure going to be different because they're different people, you know? And so it's just, it's so important for you to keep the long game in mind of going, okay, I'm not going to see them every, every week, but that's the best part is one, you don't lose them. Yep. And if you're a good youth pastor, there's a solid chance that, guess what? When they're engaged and they're looking for an officiant, who are they going to call? You. When they're walking through a tough thing in college and they're just wrestling with what to do, who are they going to call? You. When they're walking through things that are difficult in their marriage, who are they going to call? You. Like You are going to be a role in their life forever. I still see my youth pastor as one of the biggest mentors and role models in my life to this day as a lead pastor. You know, And so you're forever going to have that but the best part is they graduated and you're going to have that now, but you also have a whole nother repertoire of students coming behind them that you're going to have the same connection with. Yeah. Like you said, it's not a numbers thing you're worried about because, okay, I have 10 seniors graduating. I also have 10 incoming sixth graders. Right. Like that cycle continues every year, but the, the relationships and, and the other thing I'll say too, and I have to be dangerous or I have to be careful with this because it's dangerous. Uh, it can be a good thing when when you've got seniors graduating. Now, obviously, haha jokes like, oh, I maybe I want that student to graduate. Like that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be real. But I'm talking about, you know, they're like if you are in maybe year three as a youth pastor, uh, maybe there's a change that you want to make, but you've been holding off on making it until a specific group of really influential students graduates. And then once that group graduates, like they've got an event that they hold very sacred and, and they don't want to let go of it. And you as a youth pastor are thinking, I don't want to do this event anymore. Yep. I'm going to stick it out and do the event until that class graduates. And then I'm going to make a, a little bit of a shift. Like those graduating classes can be good pinpoints for culture shift. Yep. If you could take advantage of that uh, so that you can... Uh, start to shift the culture as, as the youth pastor to what you want it to be instead of just what you inherited. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And I think sometimes you even get comfortable because yeah. your your seniors are leading the way. And I think that when they graduate, you realize, oh, actually, I'm in the driver's seat here. <laughs> you know, like... That's right. The church hired me. I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> I got to work. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, I just, I, I think that so much of what I'm learning in youth ministry and just ministry in general is there's so much that is required to just be proactive on and to be ahead of. And there's always going to be stuff that you have to respond to in the moment. But the thing of it is, is is we had an episode a while back saying, make your systems work for you. I think this, the same thing applies here is like, if you put proper things in place, emotionally, it's going to be hard to watch them go. 
but systematically there's going to be no drop off because yeah. the ones following in behind them. I mean, if you, if you think about, I mean, you're a sports guy, I'm a sports guy, a football team, you know, when you, when you graduate that, that senior class that like last year, our football team, we, I think we lost one game all season long and we graduated almost our entire starting team to seniors. And the thing of it is, is like performance wise, we dropped off this year, but systematically everything's the exact same, same system, same plays, mm. same schemes. They're just executed differently. It's the same way in youth ministry. If you have proper systems set in place, you might have those student leaders that leave, but there should be other ones following behind them that can step into that role. Yeah, and, and it's a resource allocation. A lot allocation. There's there's well a done. new word. Allotment uh, and allocation combined. I like yeah. it. Yeah, resource allocation difference. Uh, if you think about say a professional sports football team. You know, they're, they're, they got X amount of money that mm-hmm. they're allowed to spend on their team. They spend it on a big name quarterback and that quarterback retires. All right. I am no longer getting what that quarterback is giving me, but I'm also not pouring all of that money into him where now I can pay some other, you know, people on the team uh, or, or bring in some other people and, and allocate those resources a little bit differently. It's the same thing with youth ministry. We're not talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. We pay our students based on their Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, but we can, we can take all the, the time that we were investing in that senior class and, and start to shift it to mm-hmm. invest in the juniors, the sophomores, the eighth graders. And we are pouring into them now in way like, yeah, you might see a little bit of a dip, uh, as that class graduates and the new one, the new sixth graders come in, that's natural. But over the course of the year, you're going to start to build those kids up and you're going to see growth, uh, some slowly, some exponentially. And then that senior class class is going to leave and you got to do it all over again. Yep. That's just how, I mean, that's what you signed up for as yeah. a youth pastor. Every single one of your students is going to leave at some point. And so, uh, using that to your advantage in some ways and not getting discouraged, but kind of keeping your head down and, and saying, all right, let's go. Uh, I think that's really important. Exactly, man. Love it. That does it. Another episode in the books. Sponsored the- by Oberto. Sponsored by oh boy. Oh boy Oberto. <laughs> episode 86 in the books. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Go ahead and send us all the beef jerky that your heart desires. Uh, but on that note, I think it's about time Derek and I find something somewhere in my office to eat lunch. Goodbye. Goodbye.